stormy winds may blow Earth stood hard as iron Water like a stone Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. It's the third Sunday of Advent, and we're looking at Mary's beautiful song, The Magnificat, from the beginning of Luke's Gospel. Long, long ago, what can I give him, poor as I am, if I were a shepherd? reading comes from Canticle 15, the Song of Mary, otherwise known as the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Please be seated. Today in our readings we are encountering Mary in the song The Magnificat. And, and that song comes from Luke's Gospel where he tells us that, that Mary, after the angel Gabriel had visited her and told her of the role that she was to play in God's salvation plan, went to visit her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea, it says, near Bethlehem. And she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who everyone thought would never have children. And yet she too was pregnant. And the child that she was to bear, of course, is John the Baptist. So here, when Mary comes into Elizabeth's home, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy at the presence of Christ. And... Elizabeth talks about how honored she is to be in the presence of Mary, who will be the bearer of God's promise. And then Mary responds with this beautiful poetic song, the Magnificat. 
that talks about the promises of God and her, her willing role in being a part of that. And then the next reading we hear of Jesus and John's followers, 30 some years later, a long time has passed since that glorious day when Mary met Elizabeth. And now John, who was the great prophet, has been arrested and he's in prison. And we know that he will meet a terrible end when his, his head is cut off. And yet John, who has been promising the coming of the Messiah and has pointed out Jesus, who he has known probably since he was a child, that this is the one we are to follow. And Jesus replies to John's followers who come to him and ask, are you really the one we are waiting for? And Jesus could say, I'm God, of course, I'm the one you're waiting for. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't defend his position. He doesn't claim to be anyone. What he says to John's the followers is, look around and see for yourselves. Because what Jesus has been doing is Jesus has been making manifest the promises from Isaiah that we heard in our first reading. The blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the dead are raised and the poor have good news brought to them. That Jesus is making manifest God's promises. And so what we have in, in John and Jesus is sort of really the, the sort of the culmination of a story, but also a repeat of a pattern that we see over and over again in the scriptural story of God's work in the world. Because God works in the most outlandish and outrageous ways. God never takes the easy route or picks the obvious person, but calls upon those who seem from the outside and the margins to fulfill God's plan for us. And in fact, what we see here is, is in a way that John is like Moses, who has led the people out of slavery in the story of the Exodus. And he has brought them to the edge of the promised land. And then we know from the stories, though, that Moses himself never crosses the river. Moses never enters into the promised land in the same way that John the Baptist will never live into Christ's resurrection. And Jesus is like Joshua. In fact, Jesus is Joshua. They have the same name. We call it Jesus for some reason, but, but in Hebrew, the name of Jesus is the same as the name of Joshua. And Joshua is the great deliverer of God's people. In the same way, Jesus is the great deliverer of the world's people. And so John invites the Israelites to cross the Jordan again. That's what baptism is. It's like the Exodus Israelites crossing the Jordan into a new place, a new life. And John invites the people who come to him to partake in this baptism and like their ancestors to cross into a new life. But John can't lead them in that new land. That's Jesus's role. Jesus is the great leader who will bring us fully into the land to occupy this, this kingdom of God. And as Christian people, 
as people who claim to be followers of Jesus, as people who ourselves have been baptized, we are invited into these promises that God made to Abraham, that we would be God's people and that God would be our Lord and that no earthly power would we allow to stand between us and God that we would fully live into the people we were created to be. And so Jesus offers us what that kingdom looks like in this passage. This is, I think, the manifesto of Christian life. Look around you, Jesus says, and see God's promises come to life. See the prophet's words made manifest in your neighbors, in your community. And Jesus invites us to continue doing that work. That's why we've been baptized. That's why Jesus has invited us in the community, so that we might continue through faith to do those things that Jesus did, so that we can make manifest God's promises in our own lives and in the lives of our neighbors and of the community of which we find ourselves. This Sunday, uh, the third Sunday of Advent, is, is about the promises that Mary offers, but it's also about the promise of faith. And faith is this great gift that God has given us. And sometimes faith can seem like the most preposterous thing in the world. And yet when we act in faith, when we opt for hope over despair, when we opt for the thriving of community over what's just good for us, when we live a life that resembles the one that Jesus lived, faith seems the most obvious thing in the world. At least that's been my experience. That when we engage in a life of faith, God has made manifest for us in a way that, that all of the, the philosophical, theological books in the world could ever convey to us that Jesus invites us to live out our faith because that's where we will discover God. That's where we will find the energy and the hope and the perseverance to continue walking the way of Jesus when walking the way of Jesus seems like the hardest, most difficult thing in the world. Because Jesus has come to be with us, God manifest in this world to live a human life, to show us how a human life can be lived, to show us the potential that we all possess to do amazing things, to put nothing between us and God and to step out in faith and fear, to remake the world so that it looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God. Amen.